This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want to greet all of you today that are listening online, and I'm grateful for the fact that we have the ability to speak to you and that uh, in this time of crisis that we're facing, this time of crisis centered around the coronavirus, that we have the ability to have online communication, that we have an online church. And so all of you that are listening, I'm going to ask that you pay very close attention. I believe that God has given me a word for you, a word for uh, what he wants to assure your heart with. And so I've entitled this message, Coronavirus, Choose Faith or Fear. In fact, I really said choose faith over fear because I believe that we must choose faith over fear. There's a lot of fear. The, the fear that we face today in our society is palpable. It's tangible. You can feel it. It's in the air. And uh, although we have not been hit with the virus in our nation yet, and I'm praying that we don't. I'm praying that God will have mercy on us. I'm praying that God will stop it. We must prepare for the worst while we're hoping for the best. And we must set our hearts and affections on God. And I think we must truly look at what God can do. So today I'd like you to take your Bibles. You're there with your families. I hope you're with your families. I hope some of you have gathered together as cell groups. Uh, but if you're there alone or whatever condition you find yourself in today, find a Bible. Find your Bible. Open it to Matthew, the eighth chapter. In Matthew chapter 8, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's something that we've studied and we've spoken about many, many times. And uh, Jesus is, it, it, this is a story, a parable about Jesus, a story about Jesus. And it says, when he'd entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there, was a, there arose a, a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves and but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I think in this passage we can learn a lot about what God would do in a circumstance where there's a storm. How to respond to life-threatening storms that erupt in our lives and the lives of those that we influence. None of us were prepared for this storm. None of us expected it. But each of us is going to be affected by it. And those around us, those that we influence, our congregations, our families, our friends, our businesses. Think about the disciples. Although many of them are seasoned fishermen. Not all of them. Some are tax collectors. Some of them are, uh, you know, anything but seasoned fishermen. But... The few that are seasoned, there's at least four that are seasoned fishermen, and uh, yet they're totally unprepared for the storm that is now threatening their lives. They weren't prepared to face it. So 
they panicked in the realization that they might lose their lives. You know, isn't it always something that, you know, as long as it doesn't fear, appear to be life-threatening, well, we kind of manage things. But boy, I'll tell you, when you feel like it's life-threatening, doesn't that change the tone in which we do things? So they're panicking. And yet throughout the storm, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat peacefully. Now, the Bible teaches us about storms and the meaning of them. The sea often represents people. It represents mankind. There's a great sea before God on the judgment day. There's a great sea of people. So often we can draw a parallel between the sea and between mankind. And then great winds whipped up mankind. Mankind, this isn't a virus that just happened. This is a virus that mankind created. There's a vaccine that we're trying to patent to go against a patented virus. Uh, this is mankind. This is man being trying to be God instead of allowing God to be God. You know, God designed the earth. God designed you and I. God designed us for health. God designed and gave us health and life. But man has been manipulating it for a long time. And so now we suffer it, some of the things that we are trying to create. The sea is whipped up and it beats against our lives, against our fellowships, against our constructs, our livelihoods. And it's trying to keep us from our destination. Well, of course, we know our destination is heaven. Is that right? Yes, it is. Heaven. Instead of taking their cue from Jesus and measuring their situation by his reaction, the disciples allowed their situation to dictate their reactions, to dictate their, the way they were going to react, the way they were going to respond. And finally, they can't endure it any longer. The storm is just too great and they go to the back of the boat and they wake up Jesus from his sleep and then they make this very duplicitous statement. Lord, Lord. I can just hear them. One version says, Master, Lord, save us. We're dying. Now, wait a minute. He's either the Lord, the Lord of our lives, or we're dying and we're perishing. Those are really opposite ends of the poles. But that's how duplicitous we become when we have fear strike our hearts. And fear is striking the hearts of people all over the world. And with fear often comes panic. And panic is never a good thing. The Bible says the servant of the Lord must not make haste. The Bible has many warnings about fear. In fact, 366 times in the Bible, the Bible says fear not. That's one for every day, by the way, and one for leap year as well, okay? God the Father had always been and has always been with Jesus. Jesus, when he came to the earth, the Bible says he was the exact representation of God. Jesus was at peace in the storm. John 8, 29 says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that Please him. Well, isn't that 
a great confidence that Jesus had. I only do what God tells me to do. I, I please him. Another place he says, I only say what he says and I only do what I see him do. And, and he says, my father and I are one. So that's how you can be at peace in a storm is if you're one with the father and if we're one with the son. We, we, we don't have to be caught up in the turmoil of this age. Oh, we are. There's tribulation. There's struggles. But, but God says he'll take us through the storm. He'll be with us in the storm. See, in our lives, even though storms are fierce and our enemies may be strong and near, the Father is nearer. His everlasting arms are beneath us. We're hemmed in before and behind. And no boat can seek with Christ on board. The boat won't go down if Christ is on board. Jesus calms the storm. I love this. Jesus gets up, he goes to the bow of the boat, and he calms the storm. But he doesn't calm the storm before he asks a very pertinent question. And he asks them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And you see, the degree to which you and I are fearful today is the degree that we have lost hope or lost faith in Christ. We have lost our faith in what God can do. And uh, many people have started out well, but they've shipwrecked their faith or they've hurt their faith or they've doubted. And I'm going to encourage you today. It's a time to return to a close relationship with Christ. It's a time to return to faith, to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure what's going on in the minds of the disciples. And perhaps their lack of faith was, as they said, they thought the ship was going down. I mean, it's right there in the scriptures. Hey, they thought they were going to lose their lives. So maybe it's just as simple as that. But in another version of the story, Jesus had already said, he said, let's sail over to the other side. Jesus had said, let's go to the other side. And perhaps, perhaps it was more that they just weren't sure that Jesus could see them through their journey. In our lives, are we really concerned so much about the present or has there crept into our souls and crept into our lives and crept into our minds a fear that perhaps Jesus can't get us to our destination. He can't get us to the other side. See, at the present, we find ourselves in storms that we cannot control. We're facing storms economically created by the mismanagement by our reserve bank and our government. That's a bad enough storm. There's storms in the church. Postmodernism is creeping into our churches and into our values and our morals are being swept aside. We have a whole generation coming up that do not know that there are absolutes. In fact, most of the people that lead us don't believe in absolutes. They don't believe that there's an absolute honesty or an absolute truth. So what we do is we just pass laws to say whatever we want but they're in violation of the laws of God. We have unjust scales by God's standard, but by our standard, as long as it benefits the elite or the people in power, it doesn't matter if it hurts everyone else. But these are what are causing and exacerbating the storm. There are storms of life, and these are some of the storms. Many 
of our church members. Many people in the church at large are embracing teachers that are swift to tickle their ears. And the Bible said it would be so. He said that in the end times, he says at the end of time, that there would be many who would run seeking those who would teach fables, teach them what they wanted to hear rather than what the word of God said. I want to double down for our church. I want to double down for those of you that are under the sound of my voice. I want to be true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way of salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I don't want to be in a position where we tickle your ears and tell you that it's all going to be okay. Yes, I believe that God can prosper us. And by prosperity, I simply mean this. He can meet all of our needs and give us an abundance to help others in the storm, in life. But I also believe that God wants to heal us. I believe also that God wants to save us and that God wants us to be close together as families, as friends, and as the church of Jesus Christ. On top of this, now we're facing a pandemic. This pandemic is being whipped up into panics, panic proportions, proportions we've never seen ever before. And now they're becoming impositions on individuals, impositions on companies, and even on the church that are unprecedented. Who would have ever thought that we would be shutting down everything worldwide? I'm not sure that the epidemic or the pandemic is the problem. I think there may be nefarious motives behind it, to say the least. But fear, nonetheless, has gripped the heart of many, many people. We're in the midst of a storm that we cannot control. So what are we supposed to do? What should we do? What can we do? Is there anything we can do? Well, first of all, we have to answer the question that Jesus asked his disciples. Or, really, the question that the disciples asked themselves after the whole ordeal was finished. They asked a question. They said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So I want to know, what manner of man is Jesus? Is Jesus just another teacher? Because if he is, then I'll tell you what, we're in big trouble. Is Jesus just another religion? Because if Christianity is just another religion, then we're in very big trouble. Or is Jesus the only true Son of God? Is Jesus the only one by which a man can be saved? Is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Is Jesus the, uh, the, the express image of the Almighty God? Because if he isn't, then what we do here and what we have done in our lives is in vain. Let me give you three points and we'll close. First, we must understand that God is greater than any storm. God is greater than any storm. And if the storm isn't bothering Jesus, and remember, Jesus was God's exact representation on earth. If the storm isn't bothering Jesus, then why should it bother us? Now, it may affect us, and we should be concerned about it. I'm not saying we just put our heads in the sand and ignore it, but what I am saying is, wait a minute. Is there not a God who can deliver? Is there not a 
God who can show us a way in the wilderness? And there is. You see, we probably aren't going to be able to change the circumstances. But we can choose where we're going to place our trust. See, we have to determine to choose to trust Jesus in the middle of our storm. We can choose to let Jesus into our boat, which is representative of him being invited into our lives. And when we do so, we'll find Christ in us. And our lives hidden in Christ, yielded to Christ. And we'll be confident that there is no storm so large or so fierce that he can't see us safely through the storm. Secondly, we must be willing to look to Jesus. The Bible often talks about fixing their eyes on Jesus. What are you, where are you looking? Where are your eyes? There was another story where Peter was walking or, or Jesus was walking on the water and the disciples saw him. This was another occasion and it says the winds were boisterous and the sea was, and if you've ever been to Galilee, you'll see that this sea can whip up overnight, whip up in a moment. There can be great storms on this lake, on this sea. And uh, the story about Peter says that he saw Jesus and he said, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And Jesus stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water. It says as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was okay. Now, I don't know how far he walked. I don't know how, but I, I, he was walking on the water. But I do know this, that when his eyes were no longer fixed on Jesus, but began to be fixed on the storm, he began to fail. He began to sink. And so it is with you and I. Are you looking at the size of your storm or are you looking and turning to the one that can calm it? In the midst of every storm, there can be a calm. In the midst of every trial, there can be a peace if we look to Jesus. You see, it's God who knows the beginning from the end. It's Jesus who's the Alpha and the Omega. And it's obvious that Jesus' ability to remain in peace meant that he was confident in the outcome. You and I must learn to remain in peace. No matter what comes, we stay in peace. And we have to understand that uh, it's in a place of peace that we can navigate storms. It's in a place of peace that we can be led of the Spirit. God says he'll lead you forth in peace. He says, let Peace be your umpire. Let peace be your guide. And so sometimes we lose our peace. And when we lose our peace, we have panic and fear and all the things that keep us from enduring, from going through. Faith is important. Patience is important. But peace is of utmost importance at this time. And peace is not a feeling or an emotion. It's a force. The force of peace that rests upon you and is inside of you. It calms you and calms the storm in you before it calms the storm outside of you. John 16, says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Where's the source of peace? In Christ. Christ in you and you in him, abiding in the vine. There is peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, 
But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. This is a worldly event. This is the world at its best. This is the world that we're facing. We also must have wisdom from above. And we must not be moved by the fear and the panic that has gripped so many. And especially in this current pandemic. You see, we as Zimbabweans, we've, we faced years and years and years of trials, man-made, man-induced often, being regulated where we shouldn't be, people thinking they know how to lead and they don't. We've faced many troubles and many trials and we've made it through. And yet now there's a storm upon us that's even threatening to separate us from our loved ones, to separate us from each other. There's an old adage, divide and conquer. But I tell you what, the spirit of a man in peace, the spirit of a man of God, can only cause us to rise up. And we will yet again be victorious. But we'll need the wisdom of God and we'll need the peace of God to do it. We need to be wise in practical things. It's wise to prepare for at least, many are saying, three weeks to a month of isolation. That's a long time. Get enough food. Get enough water if you can. Prepare yourselves. Do all you can in the natural. We're not prepared as a nation to handle this virus. I, I said that earlier. I'm told that we have a number, a very limited number, of working ventilators in the country. In fact, I have many doctors who have reported to me, and I'm very, very concerned that we not only aren't prepared for this, we, we can't even take care of the natural flow of what we need to do, let alone a crisis. This kind of plague will cripple our already compromised health delivery system. If we have this plague, it, we will be out of control within a few hours, within a few weeks, within a few days. We need to ask God to intervene. We have to have a plan to take care of ourselves. But we also must realize that we are not islands and we're not alone in this. We have to serve one another and believe not only for our healing and our good, but also that God would intervene and that we would he would use you and I to intervene in the lives of others. I've been seeing reports and I've heard uh, many doctors coming forward. Even the President of the United States came forward last night and said that chloroquine, chloroquine is the drug we used for the treatment of malaria. Sometimes it's a prophylaxis. Chloroquine can somehow disengage this virus and heal you within six days. That's what they're saying. They had reports coming out of France. Now, I'm not prescribing, but I'm saying, hey, if I had any chance to block this virus, to stop it, and chloroquine was even part of the answer, that is something that is readily available and fairly inexpensive, even in this country, and it's something we use regularly for malaria. Again, I said I'm not prescribing, but if I thought there was a chance that I could avert this virus, I would do all I could to self-quarantine, treat myself, treat my family, and give myself the very best chance possible. 
I also realize that I'm a part of a community of believers and that I'm responsible not only for myself and my family, but I have a responsibility to my friends and those who I've chosen to do life with. And that's all of you. I'm not standing idly by. As a church, we are not standing idly by. We are reaching out to all of our friends. We are reaching out all over the world to people that can bring necessary medical supplies, medical goods. There are a number of people we've helped mobilize and that we're working with alongside of because this is when the church shines. This is when as the church, and the church, by the way, is not a building. The church is not me. The church is not uh, an institution. The church is you and I. This is when you and I as believers, this is when we begin to shine. This is when we help each other. This is when we pool our resources. This is when we really give ourselves to solving the problems that we face. James said it this way in in James 3.17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure. Here it is again. It's peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I believe this is the time that we need to show good to everybody. We need to show good to the unbeliever, the believer, those of other faiths, other religions, I don't think you can do it with, I don't think you can do it with partiality. Yes, we must take care of those in the household of faith, but we must take care of everyone at this time. And I think in so doing, those of us that are believers will lead many into the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a time to be full of faith. It's a time to speak the truth in love. It's a time to, if you're going to quarantine, quarantine around the word of God. Don't sit there and watch Netflix. Don't sit there and watch a bunch of bad news. Fill yourself full of faith. Fill yourself full of the word. Finally, my last point is that we need to make sure that Jesus is in our boat. Today, there are many who are not asking Jesus to be in their boat. We're not asking him to come along for the journey in our lives. There are many that have opted out to chosen to make the trip on their own. In fact, many have adopted a relationship with Jesus that does not make him Lord of their lives. When you live this way, it's easy to begin to focus on your fears. It's easy to begin to panic. Especially when you can't control your future. But he wants to be by your side. He's calling you and I to live by faith and not by sight. Now we always have two choices when life begins to overwhelm us. We can focus on the circumstances or we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. If you choose to look to Jesus above everything else, you'll begin to see that the storms you are facing are not nearly as powerful as the Savior who is with you and walking you through the storm. He's alongside you. In our church, for those of you that are part of our family, this is Missions Month. And we're living in what the Bible says is perilous times. There are many people in the world that are not ready for the storm that is upon us. We, who have Jesus in our boats, must also understand that there are times like this when we either turn to him or we can become fearful like the disciples. We can question our Lord. 
We can question his love. We can question his care for us. I can assure you that if we are willing to trust him and be close to him, he will get us through this storm and every storm in life. But we also need to consider the fear in the hearts of many that have no hope, that don't know Christ, that have no anchor. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. Jesus is something unique to the believer. But if you aren't a believer, you have nothing. And there are no other gods that can save in a time like this. I want to encourage you not to be afraid. Don't let fear in your heart. Let faith arise. But I'm also asking you to carefully consider and prayerfully plan what you do over the next few weeks. We'll be speaking to you on Twitter, on all the social media feeds. I'll leave some information at the end of this message to help you. We'll be meeting in our cell groups. We're not going to stop meeting in cell groups. I think that's important that we gather together. The Bible's very, very clear about that. The early church faced persecution, and what did they do? They met in their homes. They went underground. The early church had these same problems. Oh, maybe it wasn't a pandemic or an epidemic, but there was tyrannical reign back then. The Romans would uh, persecute every Christian. That day may come, even in this country. We don't know. But I do know this. In perilous times, we club together, we join together. And our friendships and our relationships and our family in Christ is really, really important. So I want to encourage you today, for those of you that are listening that have never accepted Jesus, never asked him into your boat, never asked him into your life, today would be the day to do that. And that's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. But it's crying out to him. He says, the Bible teaches, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's been raised from the dead. If you believe it, if you really believe it, he says, that's the beginning of salvation. That's the entryway into salvation. That's the pathway to salvation. It's that he becomes your Lord. He becomes your Savior. He changes our lives. I want to encourage you. Give your life to Christ. And for those of you that have Christ in your boat, hey, strengthen your relationship with him. Don't give up prayer. Don't give up reading your Bible. In fact, double down on that. Don't give up on fellowship with the saints. Get together with your close-knit cell groups. And if you're not in a cell group, contact us here at the church. Contact this number. We'll tell you how to get into a cell group. We'll tell you how to get with other believers. Now, if you have a fever, you know what to do. Isolate yourself. If you're sick, isolate yourself. But if you're not, if you're not, fellowship, small groups, stay at least a meter and a half away from each other. It'll all be good. We love you. Let me pray. Father, I pray for these that are listening. I pray, Father, that you would cause the sound of my voice to resonate with truth. Jesus, our trust is in you. We thank you that having begun a good work in us, you will bring it to completion. And that, Father, no weapon formed against us can prosper. Father, we thank you that 
although these are perilous and fearful times for many. And even for us, Lord, we admit that fear does attempt to strike our hearts. But we look to you. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us and be with us. Even in this storm, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.